Welcome to episode 128 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Kevin Dexter. And despite our best efforts to avoid talking about Zeta, we are back with Zeta this week. And I, I, I don't know about you, I'm actually kind of glad we're back to it. I enjoyed these episodes. Mm, I think this would have been a great series finale. See, I... <clears throat> make, it, make it one more part. Uh, because they had like the small Easter egg. We'll, we'll get into it in a second. <laughs> <laughs> I it's okay interesting interesting season or series finale I would almost say like series premiere I think this is kind of interesting okay but okay well we will get into it we'll, mm-hmm. we'll do our usual news and ramble on about other things first but no I'm, I'm actually I'm actually glad we're back to it with, mm-hmm. with Zeta um, especially of the, the madness of last week that was Hobbs Hobbs Shaw. Shaw. <laughs> I mean I wouldn't mind doing a, 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 a Tokyo Drift podcast <laughs> Jesus like listening listening back to that we were particularly manic i think part of it was having shane on i mean it's always more manic when shane's on. it's always more manic when shane's on we love him but also you you both do do you want to talk about what I, you did I think beforehand I, will, I think i'll do that as my plug it's a okay. weird plug but I'll, I'll get into in my plugs why i was so amped up on last week's episode mm-hmm. but uh don't worry guys i'm very tired this week energy's yes. right back down to where it was i'm weirdly lightheaded i'm not quite sure why we went out last night in a sense we did yeah but i mean of sorts. As much as you and I go out, we went out. Yeah. So again, we'll get to that too, I guess, and plug so many things to look forward to later on this episode. Oh, we, we are just stacking yeah. the end of this. <laughs> We're being those annoying Facebook and Instagram videos that are like, you have to wait to the end to know what happens. Like, you won't but believe what happens at the end. I, I really hate it when I'm watching some adorable animal video that has been sponsored for me on Facebook. I'm like, oh, it's like a bunch of cute puppies. And then about 30 seconds into it, it starts to warn me that an ad is going to start playing soon. I'm like, I'm not going to keep watching. Yeah. Like, I don't care that I'm mildly invested in this story. I'm not going to watch an ad right now. Mm-hmm. So let's just keep on scrolling. Or on Instagram, at least on Facebook, I can just jump to the end. And so I know like, I'll just jump to the last eight seconds. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. As a lot of people do with this podcast. Well, with Instagram, you can't, you can't uh, jump videos. Yeah, there's no forwarding option. I know, and it's very upsetting. Oh, God, get your shit together, I mean, Instagram. as someone who makes content for Instagram, I get why they don't, and I'm appreciative <laughs> that they don't. But as, a, as the lazy person that I am... You don't want to watch that shit. Well, like, I don't know if you ever do anything, watch any, like, uh, oh, my God, I don't know why I was just about to say anything live, because that's dumb, but anything, like, live on YouTube or Twitch. No. Um... I'm so used to jumping like five or 10 seconds ahead yeah. on, on, on YouTube videos now. And I'll try and jump ahead on live videos. And just like, Fuck, <laughs> this is boring. <laughs> just get to the stuff. This is why we don't need live. Right. Let's move away from live. We had live when we were children. Yeah. And you had to like race the bathroom between commercials. That's a relic of the past. Exactly. We're in the future now. Give us. Or when you would, or you would, like in elementary school and you'd brag to your friends about how good you were at turning back to the channel right as the commercials were ending. Right. I was very good at it. Skill set you honed. I bet you were. Yeah. I bet you had the timing down. I was very good at it. Cartoon Network goes three commercials and you're back. It's kind of like the theory that if a a series of steps, if one step is just like by a few millimeters like taller than another, like you'll trip because your brain is just so programmed to like follow along. Mm -hmm. I imagine you were the same way with commercials where if like one of them was just like a matter of seconds off from the other ones, it would just completely fuck you up. Yeah. I would know if they added that fourth commercial in. When they force that fourth commercial yeah. break into it, as they love to do in syndication, especially. Oh yeah, it's just jam it in there. They'll jam it in there, and then they will uh, have the 
opening credits for the next episode play really at accelerated speed during the closing credits of the previous episode. Just mm-hmm. like get that boom, boom, boom. Sequencing. We talked about Nick at Night got in a lot of trouble for this recently, or not recently, but when we started the podcast, because I remember we talked about it I can't earlier, remember what we, we just talked about five minutes ago. I feel uh, like I can't remember something from our first episodes. Nick at Night got in a lot of trouble because they were caught speeding up their shows oh. so they could fit in more commercials. And it was it was only slight, and people caught it on the friend because uh, Friends was added to Nick at Night. Yeah, two ish, you know, longer than now, uh, but a while ago, and people noticed the theme song was slightly pitched up, oh, and so people people compared it. Yeah, and it was it was slight. Like they could fit in maybe one more fifteen or thirty second spot. Yeah, but that's still like that's all they wanted. Yeah, FCC. They're they're not they're not playing that game. It's kind of like those sociopaths listen to podcasts on like 1.5 speed. How dare they? I don't understand. Should we just talk slower then? I mean, I think we need <clears> to talk <throat> faster so they can't understand us. They have to go back down to normal speed. Oh, that that's true. Because, I, and this is genuinely baffling to me because I know I talk fast and I actively work to try and slow things down. Same. Didn't try it all last week, but I mean, it's Fast and the Furious, man. You gotta go fast. Can't slow down. Gotta be furious. Can't slow down. Uh, I'm gonna me. talk fast. They're gonna become furious. Uh, but I actually try and talk slower. I cannot imagine trying to listen to myself at an accelerated pace. Same. I think it would destroy my brain. Should we try and talk faster this week? Yes, we should. <laughs> Forget that. Yes. Forget positive growth. Let's just dive into our worst habits mm-hmm. and embrace them live. Well, it's, it's different when it's positive growth for us, but then that's when true. it's affecting others, that's when it's good for us again. That's true. Let's force positive growth onto other people. Yes. Like the great Samaritans that mm-hmm. we are. Spend more time with us. We need friends. <laughs> this is all we have. Yes. What news do we have this week? All right. Because uh, we haven't actually done news in a couple of weeks, we haven't yet talked about the Titan Season 2 trailer. That's right. Which is like, I guess, I mean, it's kind of a big deal, I suppose. How did you feel about it? Well, I, I posted on Instagram about it when it came out. Yeah. I fell for their trap once again. <laughs> I mean, I'm falling for it, too. Every time. Every time. We, we have said it over and over again if dc is good at anything it's they know how to make a trailer they know how to market they know how to market so well and this trailer looks so exciting it's kind of everything that we wanted from season one yeah you got the team coming together mm-hmm. you got you costumes know, you got costumes you got the name Death everyone kind of yeah you got Death everyone kind of has their like quippy there's green beast boy in there oh that's right there was i didn't even notice that you're right yeah. there's green beast boy uh, cyborgs in there raven has the gym in her head yeah i think was it a, a, a <clears throat> publicity shot or somewhere in one of the trailers we saw nightwing finally in full costume uh i, I think like, it's like in that happened right? i think it's in the trailer yeah because i just rewatched it again right before we recorded this i think i may have watched like an abbreviated version i think maybe the dc universe the longer like preview thing they had on there mm-hmm. that did a recap as well may have shown it but yeah we're getting nightwing final we got some superboy superboy some hawk crypto, and dove are back hawk and dove are back um wonder uh, girl in full <clears throat> costume aqua yep. boy or aqua lad aqua I, can't lad. I can't remember which they're going for here um more of jason todd who was a character i think you and i both liked i liked him. oh yeah 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 we liked him yeah that's a pretty <clears> good throat> characterization throat> of him um yeah, like more Starfire. Yeah, so like we, we got, so. they gave us all the glory shots that we wanted. And then I watched it a few times and I got really excited. And then I remembered where we left off and how where we were in the end of season one has nothing to do with any of this. Now, do you think 
they're going to just rapidly close out the plot <clears throat> threads of season one and just dive into something entirely different season two. I mean, I mean, they introduced Triton at the end of season one. But, you can't just end Triton like but that. But I guess, but there is a way to have like Dick wake up from this sort of like nightmare thing and Raven is able to banish Triton back to the other dimension and then he can still exist in some capacity. Like maybe he comes as like background lurking threat of, oh, he's always there. There's always a possibility he comes back, but then they just like close out his little mini story. I could see it as opening it up bigger and having that be the overall story Mm -hmm. where he, you know, Raven is like, Hey dad, please let my friends go. Um, and then, then they can start the, the 13 year, it doesn't have to be 13 years now, but the, uh, season three of teen Titans when Raven has her 16th, sorry, 16th birthday. And that's when the portal opens. Oh, okay. Um, they could have it where like he Triton's like, okay, you know, you can have six months. You can have till your birthday, have fun with your friends, then you're mine. Yeah. And then he just kind of walks off. And so he's on Earth now, and he's, like, setting uh, up his yeah. plan. That could be interesting. And so then the reason that this whole team is coming together is now they have a reason to fight together. Mm-hmm. Like something's going to happen. Yeah. It's like the they need all all the help they can without, without obviously asking Batman because he's way too busy for this. Yeah. It, it was weird to see Ian Glenn doing an American accent. It is very weird. Especially because it doesn't... I couldn't even tell it was American until certain words. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I really like him. Well, I mean, we're just so used to... Him Jorah saying, Mormont? Yeah, yeah. Khaleesi. Yeah, that's true. Oh, my God. My please, Khaleesi. Please let him call someone Khaleesi. <clears throat> but, I mean, I, I remember him from Tomb Raider, like the original Tomb Raider movie. He was the villain. Oh, wow. Oh, that's right. He was. Yeah. Dude, that movie's got a stacked cast. Yeah. I'm, I'm mostly referring to Daniel Craig. Oh, he's the dad. No. No? No, John John Voight's the dad, because that's actually Angelina Jolie's real father. There's a, Daniel well, Craig is like the... Ama- so this is the funny thing, is that Angelina Jolie is playing the British Laura Croft, and Brit Daniel Craig is playing the American like counterpart of hers, who's working for the bad guys, but is like kind of a good guy, so then he gets killed, and Laura uses the time triangle thingy to turn back time. What's the movie where if Daniel I Craig is, is the dad? Back time. If I could find my place. Exactly. Yeah. I just watched Back to the Future the other day. <laughs> such a good movie. It's such a good movie. Uh, no, what's the movie where Daniel Craig is a dad? Or an what? uncle? What? Is he in uh, the um, uh, Golden Compass? Yeah, he's in the Golden Compass. I've never seen it. Is but he's he the dad? I've never seen it. I don't know, but he's in it. I think he's the dad. Okay. I was like, that one movie where Daniel Craig plays an uncle. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> he got to be a little more specific. Than no, that. he, I don't think so. I think he plays one role in one role. And so when he plays anything other than that one role. Okay, wait. Okay, off the top of my head. So obviously, Name Bond. me any other time he's played a dad or uncle okay, or I parental mean, uh, figure. Bond, he was the main guy in Layer Cake who like didn't have a full name, but I don't think he had any family in there mm-hmm. uh he was the son of it's kind Paul of the Newman i'm going for in road to perdition but again i don't think he had any siblings but he was like kind of uncle-esque to the to the main guy that's another movie that has like a crazy cast and you look back on it like it's got a young tyler hoakland before he was like beautiful and ripped as fuck um to be fair same with Jenna craig uh let's see what i mean he was in the girl's dragon tattoo 
He was a father in that. Okay. He is a daughter in that movie. But that's not his like his his in in Golden Compass like that is his title. It's just and uncle. Is his father. Just father. I, do you know do you if you read the books? No, I've never read the books. Okay. I, mean, I remember the trailers for that they're like it's people have are like spiritually tied to animals, right? So their soul uh, lives outside of their body in and an it animal. takes the spirit of an animal or it takes the the appearance of an animal. That's right. Okay. Yeah, so when you're a kid and you kind of don't know who you are yet, your animal can continue to change shape just like you do. Okay. Uh, so then once you grow up and kind of are set in your way, you have a specific animal. Daniel Craig uh, is kind of like the this mysterious scientist uh, who works out away from the government because the government is trying to obviously control everything per usual. Yeah. Uh, and he's found a way to like, like harness the magic of the soul. It got weird. He opened is, a portal to another world at some point. Of course he did. Wait, is the Daniel Craig role being played by, um, Lid Manuel Miranda in the new version? They're making a new version. Yeah. The Amazon show. Oh, I forgot about that. His dark materials. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot that's Golden Compass. Uh, probably. Yeah, or or maybe or he's maybe he's oh he's Lord Azriel, Azriel whatever. Maybe he's being played by oh my god look at that fin. oh no it's he okay the McAvoy McAvoy is in the Craig role. Look at that fabulous beard he's got in this movie. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, do we have another news? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just gonna keep listing Daniel Craig movie roles. Craig talk. <laughs> yes. I mean. <laughs> Be still my beating heart. Okay, uh, speaking of fabulous beards, Ewan McGregor. Star Wars? Star Wars. Is he doing it? So it's there was a lot of reports this week that he was rumored to be confirmed. Like even coming <laughs> like, even coming from like deadline and variety, which at this point, like I always try and make sure at least it's coming from a major publication on these things. Yeah. Um, even their article is like, Din, or Ewan McGregor may be back finally for But Obi-Wan these articles Kenobi. have been coming out for, for a long, six years now. For a long time. So, I mean, I think we have talked about this a bit before, but the rumor is that he would be coming back for a Disney Plus series, mm-hmm. which I actually think is the better way to go on this. Oh, absolutely. Rather than a movie, because one assumes he'll be filling in the between three and four space, which like people love to play in and he would be on Tatooine. And I think if you try and do that as a movie, I feel like the, you are hampered by the pace and the structure of a film and you have to build some sort of like big climactic thing. Whereas, Oh my God, every week that fucking motorcycle. I wonder, like, maybe she, like, is always leaving for work Sunday mornings at 10.45 when we're recording. Yeah, maybe we should keep track of that later. It's 11 (laughs) o'clock. Keep that in our notes. I'm going to go buy a whiteboard. We're just going to start tracking every time she leaves. Are we going to become, oh, God, uh, what's the the study of man? Anthropology? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to become anthropologists. The study just, of neighbors. Just for my neighbor who rides a motorcycle? Yes. But okay. I feel like if they're going to do more with Obi-Wan, I I think doing it as a Disney Plus series is probably going to work better. I have, a, I have a weird pitch for you. Okay, please. Hear I, me out on this. I love a weird pitch. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Spaghetti Western. 
I mean, that's kind of the rumor, right? That's what everyone's been wanting to see for oh, a long time. I was unique and creative. No, sorry, not this time. Okay. I mean, as a person, you are very unique and creative, Cameron. Thank you. And I'm still very distracted by that beautiful mustache. Thank you. Because you, what you have going on right now is you actually have the, the Star-Lord facial hair going on. Because you have still distinct scruff, almost the point of beard, but a more prominent mm -hmm. mustache. Well, I can't do just the mustache. I, I mean, are you going... Like, but are you going to? I feel like I have to. I think you have to. I do. I, I don't want, want to because I've been want clean shaven in so long. But you won't be entirely clean shaven because you'll have the stash. Well, yeah, but I'm going to get rid of it the next day. Then you'll just like. That must be. Okay, a, so you'll be clean. Like, how long does it take you to grow in facial hair? Uh, like, if you were to I, clean shave, how long? <laughs> I don't know. It's been years <laughs> since I've. Also, this is news. I consider this news that you have a mustache. So we're talking about it. Yes. I mean, no photos have been up yet, <laughs> but photos will be up. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you got your kickball Friday championship. Saturday. Oh, yeah, and that. Yeah. A couple days plus D23. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's fabulous. Mm -hmm. So much beard talk today. So much beard talk. Oh, speaking of uh, timing of this podcast, my big news that I want to talk about, that we want to talk about, because we've talked about this movie for so long this year. Yeah. We continue to bring it up. The day this podcast comes out, <laughs> Booksmart, Booksmart will be out on digital. <laughs> Booksmart, the patron saint of Tim Chalk. Yes, the the safe haven of 2019. I mean, it, it the the shining shimmer of of hope. It's been both of our movies of the year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, to be fair, my movie viewing pace has slowed down of late. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, I haven't seen anything yet that even really comes close to Mine it. Mine has not slowed down, and I can say nothing has come close to it. Close to it. it it really hasn't been a fantastic year for movies, no. has it? I mean. Endgame, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, Booksmart. Yeah. Um, and with that, that is our tease for our future <laughs> year of the year. Year <laughs> in review podcast. Yep. Happening in just a few months. But okay. Uh, uh, but Spaghetti Western, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think he is the best part of those movies. So I recently rewatched the prequels. Okay. Uh, because as it's well documented on this podcast, I love me some film scores. Yes. And one of my major go-tos is the Star Wars scores. Because well, isn't the joke that the worse the movie, the better the score? With Star Wars? Mm -hmm. I would say... At least that's how it was until 7 and 8 and yeah. Solo. Yeah, 7 and 8, the score is like okay, but a little bit forgettable. And Solo, the parts of the score that are only really good are the times when they're calling back to like the Falcon theme. Um, but I mean, that's I don't think it's entirely true because I still think the best score is in fact empire okay which most people standards also the best movie but rewatching the prequels i will say the only one that is passably good attack of the clones okay it's the, like i always thought that revenge of the sith like in hindsight I was like oh that one's actually pretty solid went back to it it's terrible but that fight scene it, the thing is the fight scene's not I'm that good Mustafar. it's not that good oh you shut your mouth Camera, I just rewatched it. I don't believe you. I just like go back and rewatch. Rewatch the whole movie, okay? This is the other thing too. You can't just watch the lightsaber fight. You have to rewatch mm. the movie in its entirety. It's the only way to really take it in proper is context. The movie longer than eight minutes? Yes. I don't. Yes, it is. I know that's I, I, I know that's challenging you for you. <laughs> Camera watched it on can five I, X speed. <laughs> can I just watch? Can I just play through the Lego Star Wars games again? Yes, that okay. is that is an acceptable alternative. But that final fight is definitely way over the top. And part of the problem is they intercut it with the duel between Palpatine and Yoda, which isn't yeah. good. It's just not good. And it's weird because through most of that movie, Ian McDermott is actually doing a really good performance of like slowly oozing the menace back into his 
uh, into the character. But then he just goes like really lampoony at times. And then especially in that sequence. Well, because it's, it's two very CGI things bouncing around a room. That's part of it too. Yeah. It's just, it's so, it has no, like, it's so rubbery. It's so rubbery. It has no emotional weight. I think part of it just comes down to them not strategizing how to like lay out that character well, because they set up that Palpatine is obviously Sidious in the first one, but they never actually comment on it. Mm -hmm. So the last, we'll have to do this as a separate episode at some point. We'll we'll have to do (laughs) Tim talk presents the star Wars films and I'll get into it properly. But that being said, uh, to wheel back my tangents here, Attack of the Clones, only passable one, also has the best score, hands down. Uh, across, across the Stars. Across the Stars is one of the greatest themes ever made. Oh, yeah. Um, and that movie has just fucking amazing music all the way through. Uh, wheeling it back further, Ewan McGregor is like the, the consistent standout positive part of those movies. Oh, yeah. And so I think any more of him we can get in that role is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so speaking of Disney Plus, yes. one last piece of news on my end. Yes. Uh, a series I didn't know was in development uh, right. that kind of took both of us by shock. Actually, I had, I knew it was in development. Okay, it took me by not shock. By, not any sort of inside thing. I knew it was in development because they announced it when they announced Disney Plus. Oh, I didn't realize that. We even that. talked about it briefly on this podcast. Okay. Well, we're going to talk anyways. about it again for another brief moment. Uh, the Love, Simon TV series that's going to appear on Disney Plus has casting. Yes. Uh, and one of the cast members, which got us really excited, is Cuba Gooding Jr. Jr., uh, who was the love interest from Booksmart. Yes. And so we were getting the crossover of the Booksmart world and the uh, Love, Simon world. It's very exciting. It is. I mean, I've What's talked about What's his actual name? I feel bad. I'm, I'm looking it up. Um, I feel like it's like an S. It's Here we go. Variety. My God, he's handsome. Um, oh, my God. Just give me his goddamn name. Well, okay, Michael Camino, Samino, has been cast as Victor. Victor's a new student at the school who's going through his own journey of self-discovery and will eventually come out. Uh, Anna Ortiz will play his mother. Nick Robinson will narrate the half-hour series in addition to being a producer. Mason Gooding. That's a good role. Um, oh, okay, Mason Gooding, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, gorgeous AF in Love, Simon. Booksmart. That one. He's also going to be gorgeous AF and love Simon. Man, I'm super yes. thirsty on the podcast today, aren't you? I? I guess so. Man, whoo. And he gets you some water. Yes. I got some right here. It's all good. Uh, no, I'm, I'm super excited about this. We both loved this movie. Uh, it was my movie of 2018. I don't think it was yours. It, it was, was, it was it my was super top high up. It was yeah. super high up, yeah. Uh, I think this is an interesting way of doing it, too, to like keep it in the same continuity and... Uh, rather than doing, like, a expanded remake, which is what I kind of assumed they would do. Mm-hmm. This is pretty clever. Yeah, where he's, he's like, the... How do they describe it? Simon is still in it loosely, but he kind of runs, like, the dating... He, like, runs a section of the newspaper. Yeah, it's like he has, like, a, um, like a Dear Abby kind yeah, of that, column. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so this kid is writing to him to get advice. Mm-hmm. Which, again, that's, like, it's a pretty clever way to spin this off. Yeah. Um, and, I mean... It sounds ridiculous to say this in 2019, and I guess this will probably be 2020 when it actually comes out, but the fact that Disney, a company that I think maybe hasn't been progressive enough when it comes to queer characters, mm-hmm. is doing this on Disney+, Plus. I think is a really good sign. Yeah. Um, I think that that company in general has been making pretty big strides in terms of representation in the last few years. Um, well, I mean, now that they know they can profit off of gay days at Disney... Like, like, but they've I known guess. that for a long time. So now they're just like doing a bunch of 
rainbow Mickeys and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. look, and that is in of itself appreciated. And I've, I've had this conversation with a few people before that I actually think the, as weird as it sounds, in some ways, the corporatization of pride is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it you do muddle the purpose a little bit, but it also means that companies are realizing that they have a financial interest in being inclusive, which is the only reason companies ever make decisions. Yeah. So cynical though that may be, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I, I would. Well, I think it also for Disney. Uh, did you know the show? I think it's Andy Mac. I've heard of it. Um, there's a lot of backlash at Disney for this because it was, uh, the sh- I think that's what it's called. Let me double check that. Um, yeah, Andy Mack. Um, it was the show that had Disney's first openly gay character. Oh, right. Yeah. And after he came out, the show got canceled. I thought you were going to say he got killed. Yeah. <laughs> in, no. In, in classic. In classic Disney fashion. In classic narrative fashion. Uh, yeah. let's introduce a queer character and then either kill them or their love interest. Yes. It was the, it's the, the equivalent of, I have something to tell you next time I see you. Yes. And then they get hit by a bus or yes. a piano drops on them or something. Before they even finish the sentence. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, so Andy Mack had a, the, Disney's first openly gay character. Show gets canceled shortly after that. I don't think they had anything to do with each other. But obviously, people want to speculate they have stuff to do with each other. Yeah. And so I think having this show come out is kind of Disney's way of being like, Hey, no, we didn't cancel it because we made a gay character. We canceled it because no one was watching this show. Yeah. Well, and and again, if we're looking at it from a slightly shrewd perspective, Love, Love Simon did well. It did very well. It did really well, mm-hmm. which again just warms my cold dead heart. Yeah. So I'm all for it. Okay, I have one other last p- piece of news. Okay. And then we'll, we'll finally get into our topic at hand here. Uh, this one has nothing to do with beards. Shocking, uh, I'm not interested. Then. Shockingly. Uh, but this, chops. this was interesting. Um, it was announced this week that with uh, Birds of Prey, oh yeah, that uh, Chad Stahelski, John Wick director Chad Stahelski, uh, former Keanu Reeves stunt coordinator, double and coordinator, I forget, but I mean someone who knows his way around an action set piece, yes, really well, uh, has been brought into. It's it's unclear if it's consult or actually properly direct action scenes from Birds of Prey. And I have two minds about this. Yes. Because... Share I, them. I, I will. I will share both minds here. Okay. Like a two-face. Do you want to give them voices? Um, no, I don't want no, to No, no, let's voices. do this. No, no, I'm, I'm on board with this. I'm on board with this. Uh, okay. So my rational voice is going to be my standard voice. Okay. Okay. And my rational voice says, okay, this is a smart move. Um, we like the work of Chad Stahelski. He, again, he knows his way around action set piece. He's a fantastic director. Bringing him in to do some action punch-ups, I think, will be good. Uh, would love to see a DC Universe film, or DC Extended Universe film, really focus on maybe more action choreography rather than just, like, big, over-the-top uh, absurdity. Mm-hmm. But then the, uh, the the skeptical part of me, the, the, the sort of person who go, well, actually. No, 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 well, no, Chris. Well, actually, Chris, I Chris, think. Chris, I'm killing this bit. <laughs> I'm not a bit killer, but I'm killing this bit. I was hoping for like a Cockney or anything oh, I, that I, wasn't I, that, <laughs> but that, that's unacceptable. So, <laughs> no, what? Chris, my Chris, skepticism Chris, on this. If the more you say no, the more I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm not letting you do this. <laughs> All right. 
the skeptical side of me finds it interesting that they've announced this with Birds of Prey specifically. Mm-hmm. Because we have uh, Kathy Yon directing it. So female director on a huge action movie. And they have gone to the effort to announce that bringing in a male director to punch us in the action sequences. I feel like this is something that isn't normally done with these kind of movies. I mean, it's pretty common for someone like a, a Colin Trevorrow to come along and do a, a City Not Guaranteed and get bumped up to doing Jurassic Worlds. Uh, yeah. To the same thing about Ryan Johnson. Like, there's a whole there's a whole string of people that have done this. James Gunn. Marvel's done this a lot. Oh, of I was going to even say the Russo Brothers. Yeah, Russo Brothers, James Gunn. Um, people don't just go from Arrested Development to Winter Soldier. Yeah, exactly. So this is a pretty common thing that these, these guys get bumped up. And usually when this happens... The studios are smart, and they pair a like a newer big budget director with really established ads and producers, and the, their heads of department are really really well established folks. I think it's very interesting that they're making this announcement. Yeah, um, it it gets me both excited, but it also makes me go like, why? Why did you feel the need to have to announce this in particular? Um, I don't know. Am I am I overreading into this a little bit? Uh, I mean. No, because the the negative voice is so much louder than the positive voice in the yeah. sense of like, I'm sure there's people online being like, I would never go see an action movie or a, a, a superhero film directed by a female director. Yeah. Uh, you know, how can I trust a female director to know how to do blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the same argument that's been happening for all of time. I know, it's which is ridiculous. Um, so it's... It's in a way not hurting. I mean, it is hurting, but on the on the big scale, it's not hurting the female director of saying like we gave this movie to someone else. But it's still giving the negative voices the victory. Yeah, I guess that's the part of it that has me a little bit concerned. Is that it? It feels like it's meant to appease yeah a little bit and i'd rather have them kind of stick to their guns i don't know i mean i I think i'm reading a lot into it i i I think at its at face value i think this is good news i think it shows that they are going down a cool route with this movie Mm -hmm. um it also shows that they're like putting in the effort for this film because a lot of people have felt like dc has not been Really, really putting in their, their best guns. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy thoughts. So, I mean, look, we are always hopeful when these DC films are coming along. We have generally been burned. Um, but you do get the sense with each subsequent film, like maybe they're starting to kind of learn their lesson a right. little bit. Right. They're, they're learning something from yeah. this. And, uh, and this is one I'm actually pretty excited about. It's a really fantastic cast. Um, again, very excited that for a female-led action movie, we have a female director. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's bring in some Chad Stahelski and get some good fight sequences in there. Yeah, let's so. just get a good movie. Yeah, let's just, let's just have a good movie. Yeah. Again, Ewan McGregor. It's going to be great. Okay. That's true. Oh, God. Mm. You could have done a great segue. Well, I was so focused on beards, all right? Does Black Mass not have a beard? Uh, he might. He, he might. Yeah. I mean, we assume his face is going to get all fucked up at some point. Yeah. I actually know the production movie. See, that's why he puts a mask on, is someone shaved him Shaves with his the- face. <laughs> <laughs> and he just didn't want to wait for it to come back because he hasn't been clean shaven in so many years. Yeah. I'd, I'd wear a mask. <laughs> all right let's uh let's do it now let's finally get into zeta here mm-hmm. um yeah and so this is in fact 
the first and only two-parter? I think it's the only two-parter. Um, and this is the season two premiere, kind of officially. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some doubt on our parts about that. And uh, actually, you know, we'll just do this now rather than we get to notes from friends. But let me um, bring up something that Maddie sent along, kind of explaining a little bit. Um, oh, no, it went away. Cameron, talk. Oh, wait, okay. it, came, it came back. Never mind. Don't talk. Uh, okay, he says, on the season one versus season two debate, Absolute Zero, our undecided episode from last or two weeks ago, uh, aired as the season finale in Canada in December of 2001, but was held back until March 2002 as the season two opener in America. So we're both right. Yeah, so it's kind of a, we're both right Great. a little bit. Thanks and, for being the the wishy-washy intermediary, Maddie. It's what, you know what? <laughs> Oftentimes, the most informed person must fall somewhere in the middle. Mm. So I'm going to defend him on that. But, I mean, <laughs> look, I, I think it's pretty clear, though, that that episode was intended as a season one finale. Because the whole part of se- point of season one was trying to get to Selig. They finally meet him. Um, it kind of tees up some stuff for season two. Wait, which boat was I in? What did I say it was? Did I say it was season two fina- intro? Whatever was wrong, let's say that was yours. Hey, he just said we're both right. <laughs> so... And also the fact that it had the original intro with the season two. We now have a new intro sequence. Oh, yeah. The version I'm watching doesn't have intros. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I bought this on DVD. You did. I, I see it beautifully it's, it's, on your it's shelf. sitting over there. And the interesting thing is the, the, um, this includes Absolute Zero at the top of the playlist. And it does list it as season one finale. Okay. Which is kind of interesting because we, we were talking a little bit about this with Absolute Zero that that could have been a really good pilot episode and you do kind of feel like that episode was teeing up a change a little bit Uh, i think just in terms of like their pace and their tone visually and i think it's carrying through Mm -hmm. into these two which i i've i found them not great necessarily but i found them enjoyable yeah like they felt like they they were under they were just below the like median Batman Beyond episode. Yeah. They feel like they are decently baked. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, they are, they're fine. I, I think this is on par with a lot of the shows that were airing at this time. And I think we've just been comparing it to very exceptional shows also from this era. And then I think season one of Zeta, to be fair, was maybe a little bit lesser than some of those. Mm-hmm. But this feels like it's kind of coming together in a nice way. Like, I like these. I like, like these a lot. So we are, we are, of course, talking uh, Wired parts one and two here. Like you said, the only two-parter kind of odd that it's a two-parter yeah because that, that kind of goes I'll, I'll i'll go back to my argument that i had at the top of the podcast um if they wanted this to be a two-parter i think it should have been a three-parter uh at the end of as a season as a series finale yeah uh so if you want to keep the hacker side of it which i don't think you need to yeah. i think that in its own was a very boring episode uh, so part one is all about um, this hacker group. You know, they're, they're hacktivists is what they... Yeah, they, they were, they were the be. hacktivists before that was a term. Yes. Uh, so they save Hipster Ro. Hipster hacktivists. Yes. They save Ro and Zeta from Bennett. Uh, and they're like, hey, we're huge fans. Very creepy fans. Yeah, where one of the guys... It took me a minute to realize what was going on, but he wears a shirt that makes him look like Zeta-ish. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy, your very prototypical, overweight, awkward teenage nerd. Is okay, so they were teenagers. 
They're teenagers, right? I don't. So aren't they? Th- there was a joke where the because so so um the guy obsessed with Roe he takes her to his bedroom, where he's <sighs> so not only is he wearing a version of Roe's shirt in several sizes larger, yeah, but he has a wall covered in clippings and photos of her. Which where do those even come from? Uh, well, they said he he said he hacks into like police. Reports. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, this, video surveillance but he has a so he he locks her in his bedroom Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and he has a line where he's like no uh you can stay here i'll take care of you my parents don't have to know no he doesn't say that my parents won't mind my parents won't mind yeah so that's what it is yeah uh and so which is significantly less creepy (sighs) still creepy um but still less so so i wasn't sure from that line i wasn't sure if that meant that he was still kind of a teenager and lived with his parents or if they were playing into the nerd trope where he lives in his parents' basement. Well, quote unquote. So I think, I think kind of both were happening because, because then I remember that she's 16. She's 16. I think he is a teenager. It's possible they're like out of high school. Maybe they're like late teens, maybe even early twenties. Um, I, I think they're college age. Okay. More or less like they're kids. I think they're still by most definitions kids. But at the same time, I think youths, 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 uh, youths. Um, I'm taking control of this edit. <laughs> the same. Oh, by all means, <laughs> it's all yours. You're welcome to it. Do you have two hours this afternoon? It's all yours. No, I got kickball. Um, but at the same time, where the the bases of their their technological robin hood their hacktivist headquarters that is i think in someone's basement because when zeta's trying to escape he's running up a flight yeah, of stairs yeah, yeah, so yeah. it is in a basement mm-hmm. um but yeah they they seem like they're gonna be fans they're gonna be helpful they're like oh we just want to get to know more about you you have all these access all these places we want to go um and then bucky warns them because bucky is now their like sidekick of sorts he's he's their he's their wade from kim possible yes exactly he's the he's their their what, the man in the chair was that yeah, was, yeah that's what um Peter calls Ned in Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. He's their man in the chair. He's their child in the chair. Uh, which is something Maddie had talked to us about, I think. He had mentioned that that was where it was going to go. Yeah. Which is fine, I guess. Yeah. That's whatever. They seem to have like, toned him down a little bit, which is good. But he warns Roe, and then we quickly realize, oh, the hacktivists are going to take Zeta apart to learn all of his secrets so they can hack into bigger and better systems. Which, I liked that twist on I mean, it. it's a good plan. It, it is a good plan. Like, they're... Their plan, it makes sense. Like, oh, if we can get this infiltration robot, he has the ability to hack into stuff we don't. Um, it seems like they're pretty good at it already, but sure, he's better. Um, I liked that there's that twist of them being set up as heroes, mm-hmm. only to be undercut. I thought they were going to have more to do, though. Same. Because since it is a two-parter, uh, they are gone in the second part. Yeah, which I was really surprised by. Like, I was expecting Roe to have to team up with them to try and get Zeta back. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, were you expecting that too? Yeah. D- were you glad they didn't fall into the really obvious trope, or are you kind of disappointed that they didn't execute something they seem to be teeing up? Um, say that one more time. So, because, like, I was expecting them. I was expecting the classic, like, oh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Or, like, oh... You guys 
fucked up and put us in a bad spot and I'm going to make you feel guilty about it. So now you should help us. And I, that's what I was expecting that to happen. That classic thing of like, Oh, the, the villain turns hero because they have a change of mind. They have a change of heart. Yeah. I was expecting that. So the fact that they didn't do it, I was kind of pleased by. Or even, okay. So here, here's what I thought from the, from the beginning of part one. And I'm, I'm just, it's my first time thinking about this. So run with me for a second. Okay. Um, uh, please do it in a different they, voice. No, <laughs> They are fugitives. They 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 got in the way of a you know police not police a government an NSA like, pursuit. Yeah, uh, so they they are technically doing illegal acts. Yeah. So what if at the end of part one, um, they also were taken with oh, Zeta? Oh, interesting. And so now they're also in NRA headquarters. NRA headquarters. The, what are they in? The NSA, NSA? NSA headquarters? It's NRA headquarters. It's Charlton Heston's frozen head in a jar. Yes. Is in their lobby. The NSA headquarters. Uh, and so now Roe is in there. And, you know, the, 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 the bigger guy is like, oh, my love, she's come to save me. Yeah. Uh, and then she's like, no, I need you guys to help me. There's all these other robots here. Help me reprogram them. Okay. So then you have this huge breakout of kind of robot and human. Because also when the robots came out, it's like, send in the prototype droids. And they're, I understand why they're so prototype droids, because they can only shoot uh, in like straight 90, or like straight shots. Yeah, the robots aren't very good, are they? No, like that's an interesting idea. Yeah, if they had been um, like maybe... Because they also just showed, right before those two, they showed other... Um, Zeta style droids. Yeah, uh, and they were not unleashed. Yeah, th- there was a lot of them seemingly setting up stuff that they deliberately didn't play off of. And so, like in episode one, it's the the idea that maybe this hack team will join them. Mm-hmm. And the second part of it, yeah, it's all the infiltration robots that never really play out. I wrote something else down too. I guess we'll get to it. Um, but one thing I did like about these episodes is. They were there's very very subtly laid in some Batman Beyond DNA here, which is something we were talking about based off a, a note from a friend from Maddie about how that's generally not present. Like it's weird because this is set in the same universe as Batman Beyond, but there's very little crossover between the two of them. And there's two small things in these episodes. I don't know if you caught them, hmm. but one is in the the basement when Zeta's trying to escape after they've partially disassembled him. Uh, he like knocks over a like a table hockey game and on it are the figures of the like hover hockey they play at Hamilton Hill High. Oh, that's cool. So there's a small little thing and the other thing was in episode 2 when Roe uh, is on the vid phone and like the the face comes up basically like the the static video comes up oh, to tell her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the, it's the same like blue as the news reporters. Yeah, like the blue like opaque sort of like silhouette thing as the news mm-hmm. reporters. I'm like I liked they had those little things in there cuz it just feels connective now in a way that hadn't before. And they're, sm- right. they're subtle and they're not really played out in any sort of like plot manner, which would also be nice, but I was like, all right, I'd like to have that in there at least. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so, so going back to, to what I, th- how I think it should have happened in for finale. Yeah. Give it the part three. Don't. So at the end of part two, Zeta's evil. Yeah. Evil, but back to his manufacturing settings. Right. Um, don't have that change so fast. 
I remember I remember yeah. looking at how much time was left in the episode when he's still evil about to attack Roe and there's four minutes left. And I'm like, wow, so they're really gonna wrap this up in the next yeah, they, three they and really a half are. No, you're right. That's another thing that they kind of teed up and didn't really um execute. So that's when you could have that if if you wanted to, you don't need to have the hackers in part two. That's fine. End of part two, Zeta's still evil and now he's out on the run. Yeah. And now the NSA are back on the hunt. Roe has to go to the other hackers and be like, hey, because of you, he got caught. Because of you, he lost his memories. I know you have it on your computer already. Oh, okay, yeah. That, and they'd be like, well, Zeta fried it. And he's like, I know you have backups. Blah, blah, you, you know, find a way yeah. around that. Now she has to team up with the hackers to race the NSA. Maybe they can even have West in there. Like, West thinks he's an undercover agent. How, like, using it to bring Roe to Bennett, mm-hmm. but actually Roe is using West to get to Zeta first. I like that. That'd be really good. Mm-hmm. Now that, I think, okay, that's actually a good point, because when I was thinking about these episodes, to me, they seem like a good way to set up a start of the show because he turns evil again. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something we've talked about in season one, is that they never really establish uh, the stakes of what he used to do. Now, admittedly, this is... A very kids targeted kids show. I mean, this is way more kid focused than Batman Beyond ever was. Right. But this, I liked that they attempted to show what he was like when he was a full on infiltration he robot. He had red eyes. And he had red eyes. So they basically just made him out to be a Terminator. And we're, we're basically yeah. like well into part two at this point. We're kind of talking about him simultaneously. But after he's he's captured by the NSA and taken back to the lab, and they're trying to erase his memories. And when they're there, they also find this like random module in his brain that no one has been aware of up to this point. So like that's kind of an interesting idea too. Like, oh, who put it in there? Well, then now also the NSA feels like, or Bennett feels like he's been right this whole time. Yeah, he feels justified. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, someone's been messing with you. Yeah. I've been right. Because, you know, you're not wrong, but uh how, how do you describe like you you were you think you're in the right yeah because someone else is messing with you mm-hmm. because there is something in your head that was not done by us yeah okay you know what i, I agree with you this would actually make a really good finale i'm, I'm jumping ship mm-hmm. well i mean mainly just because like you get to see all the transformations and i feel yeah. like that's always such a nice finale is like you get you bring back that whole voice cast for one line right uh you like you know, Zeta says something as every character. I had the the fun idea of making like a rat race kind of thing. <laughs> it's a race. Uh, the end of part two, Zeta's on the run. And now you have boy genius, cha- you know, trying to get to him. Mm-hmm. You have the other infiltration robot trying to get to him. Oh. You have the NSA. You have the hackers. Yeah. You, have Ro, you have the bounty hunter. That would be fun, actually. <laughs> have everyone come back together. Yeah. And you raise a good point, too, about... Um, everyone kind of going through some changes. Cause I do like that idea of maybe Bennett reaches a point where he's like, look, I believe you. Like I've been chasing you long enough to realize that like you are trying to help people, but that is against your programming. And we now have evidence that there is a part of you. You're not aware of. You have been tampered with. So even if you are doing something good, this might be a part of a plan that you aren't even aware of. And so you still can't be trusted. And mm-hmm. you're right. And then he has real justification for it. It makes Zeta doubt himself, makes Bennett doubt him. And I think at some point it should make Roe doubt him too. Yeah. Like I, I kind of wanted him when he was in full on infiltration mode 
to be really threatening. Like, this is a robot who should be able to, like, move lightning fast. I didn't like they did the Terminator thing of him being very slow and deliberate. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted it to be like, oh, my God, we cannot possibly keep, like, pace with him. Like, we try to shoot at him, but he is so fast and he's so nimble that he is, like, untouchable. Yeah. Like, he is designed to spring into action at a moment's notice, and that is why he's so dangerous. And we now finally see why it's such a big deal. And Rosie, he's why it's such a big mm-hmm. deal. And I like that, your idea, too, about Ro having to go to the hackers to fix him. Yeah, because then it's like, she could be like, if it all goes wrong, I need you to shut him down. Yeah, like, she has to make some hard choices. And I think part of it, too, is I really don't like that trope of a robot that has human willpower. Like we've talked about that great episode of teen Titans before where a cyborg remembers that he is still human. Mm-hmm. And so he can push himself to 110%. That makes sense. Cause he's still human. I don't like it when a robot can suddenly actually pu- push themselves 110%. Like I don't like when Zeta can just out of sheer force of will struggle against the, programming that's like trying to wipe his mind or struggle against the constraints that are designed to hold him in place. That doesn't make sense to me. Like he should be a robot. You shouldn't treat like, it's weird to say this. You shouldn't treat his strength and weaknesses like a human. You should play into him being a robot. Like even in part one, he gets partly disassembled. I'm like, Oh, maybe they finally found a way to uh, give him a weakness Mm -hmm. in the same way. We always talk about Superman or, or Terry being too strong and they have to like do weird things to make him weak. This would have been interesting of, Oh, well he's less capable because he's partly disassembled. So he's trying to reassemble himself on the run. Yeah. I was excited. And to he's see exposed. Them. Yeah. He's exposed. Like he is now much more vulnerable. I was excited to see them do something with that, but instead they just had him rebuild himself instantly. And to me, that was a, a bit of a letdown in terms of some really cool storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have had it where like he, you know, someone tries to take a shot at row and he tries to jump in front, and Rose like, no, yeah, it's like you, you like you can get hurt now. You can, and I wanted to see a justification for that, and that just could have been a cool thing. But you're you're right, like they this could have been actually a pretty solid finale. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, that being said, did the stuff they tee up get you intrigued? I won't go so far as to say excited, but intrigued I, I am very curious about watching. what's in his head. Yeah, I think that's an interesting idea. Um, I did, I can't, I mean, I just watched this. I can't remember. Did Zeta tell Roe that was in his head? No. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause that, that was the other thing is, um, cause again, I looked at the time when Zeta turns back to normal, uh, and Roe's like, how did you do that? He's like, I'll tell you later. There's a minute and a half left of the episode. Yeah. I'm like, what are they going to tell him? <laughs> we got to tell her. Yeah. Uh, and so it's in the last 20 seconds. He's like, oh, well, as they were deleting my brain, I was copying it and putting it in this other folder uh, and just kept doing that as they were erasing part of it and just moving that folder into the new empty space. Yeah. I'm like, I guess, I guess. that kind of makes sense. It just, it, it felt like a bit of a cop out. Mm-hmm. And I, I think part of the challenge is you and I are watching this show, honestly, 20 years after it aired. Yeah. Very close to 20 years after and the storytelling now is a lot more sophisticated. So we're approaching this going, oh, I want to see like more seasonal arc things happening. I want to see them really like dive into the psychology of these characters. But I mean, they were doing that in Justice League just years later. They, no, and they were. And I, but at the same time, 
Justice League had the benefit of a creative team that had been working on this stuff for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I I think this... With, with already established characters. With established characters and... You know, they had already they had to do they were able to do a lot more experimentation with format and it was already a success. Yeah. So they were able to go into it being like, hey, let's start out by having every episode of Justice League be a two parter. Mm -hmm. Like that is if you think about it, kind of a bold move. That's very bold. For a kid's cartoon. Like you are you are in like establishing necessary continuity um, for something that even is still mostly episodic. Yeah, for for a show that will be syndicated. Yeah. As all cartoons are. Exactly. So, I mean, they essentially just took a half hour cartoon and found a way to make every episode a full hour. Mm-hmm. That's bold. And I, stuff like Zeta, I think, was really limited by where it was airing and when and the fact that it wasn't super popular. So they weren't taking real risks on it. Um, and again, like just the storytelling of the time. Yeah. Quick, quick tangent really fast. I was watching a video from uh, the channel I plugged a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, nerd stalgic. Okay. Uh, and he was talking about Nickelodeon death slots. Cause every, oh, every yeah. channel has like their death slot. Yeah. Uh, and most of it's either like, like a Friday night, uh, Nickelodeon has two. Mm-hmm. So they had one that was at nine 30 at night, which was the last show before Nick at night started. Yeah. Uh, and they had one, which just seems so evil. And it was the 6am slot. Jesus Christ. They would have new shows come on at 6am. As like the permanent death slot. I mean, They're like that's so mean. Okay, were were you awake at six a.m.? No. Yeah, I not even either. I was awake at six a.m. No, and like you and I both tend to get up kind of early. I think even as a kid, I would get up maybe around like seven, mm-hmm. maybe yeah, yeah, seven thirty. I I remember I would get mad because normally Saturday morning cartoons would start at eight. Yeah, and I remember always getting so mad at myself if I got up at like seven because yeah. I mean they had an hour of paid programming first. Like, what do I do? Yeah. I need to wake up at 7.55. Yes. On that was always dot. the goal. Oh, but but not only was this a 6 a.m. slot, this is a 6 a.m. Sunday morning slot. Ooh. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I remember because uh, the, the other new slot was 11 a.m. Sunday morning, and I hated that slot. Yeah, it's way too late. Yeah. You, you, you had me from like... 7 30 the earliest to maybe nine at the latest mm-hmm. but i'm like i got legos man well i mean kids wb was uh eight to eight to eleven okay yeah uh and then you'd switch over to fox because fox was nine to twelve <laughs> i'm so glad you remember all of this oh my god it's still instilled in me yeah uh no i mean what were we talking about with Zeta? oh sorry yeah i, 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 and I would i don't know when this aired i'd be very curious to go back and see what its time slot was so on the very legal way that i'm watching this uh, it still has the bugs on it okay so i have the the cartoon Network and toonami bug yeah so obviously this aired during toonami yeah uh so it would have been a saturday night show okay uh and normally if it was since this is a warner brothers product it would air on kids wb first and then about three months later it would go on to cartoon network okay um so, I mean, it if it made it to Cartoon Network, it, it must have been moderately popular. Yeah. I I can see more so now the potential of this show after these last three episodes. Yes. That just feel a little bit tighter, a little bit more purposeful. Oh, also, the other big thing that they kind of glossed over, and I, I hope they talk about this a little more, 
Uh, we know Selig still works for the military. Yeah, because he. Um, oh yeah, he's like under. Because he has a higher pay grade than Bennett. Yeah, he yeah he has a higher clearance than Bennett, and now he's like under deeper protection because they know Zeta's after him. Yeah, which is also interesting. Um, what was I gonna say? Damn it, I had a thought. I don't know. Okay, must not have been very important. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, so so we haven't touched on the updated animation very much. That's what I was going to ask you. Okay, because you, you made a comment about the animation style felt weird to you, and I was curious what you meant by that. So it felt... I'm surprised you weren't caught off by this. It felt very anime. They have the, the big eyes. They have the... Yes, I, I think... Uh, I, I it's was, very anime eyes. Okay, I, maybe I didn't necessarily pick up on the anime aspect specifically, but I was more just noticing that it felt crisper than it had yes, before. Yes, they, they had more solved lines. They had... Some shots were weirdly shaded and others weren't. That okay. that caught me a little off guard. Um, but but while the style looked okay, the animation looked great. It did. A big improvement. There was one shot in particular where Ro is like swinging from above and hits the two guards down below. Yeah. Where the camera like not only follows her, does like a like a pan tilt as she's falling down. Yeah. And I I was like. I, I almost paused it and was like, wow, that, that took some money. Cause that's, no, that's hard. Like that's not cheap animation. No, it is. And, and you know, I mean, we've been kind of for a bit to some degree, like kicking this show a little bit. I mean, it, it kind of deserved it. I mean, kind of, but I think, I think what we've always found frustrating about this show is the lack of execution on its potential. Mm -hmm. Like there's a good idea here and you just kind of feel like, the effort wasn't made and that's not entirely a fair way to describe it because obviously like everyone who worked on the show was working super hard on it and I think they were probably weren't getting a lot of support from the studio necessarily yeah but it's you know it was always just like the writing was always kind of easier choices or there was a lot of logic holes the animation just felt a little bit weak or the characterizations felt a little bit like undercooked I think for us that's the frustrating thing because you and I love cartoons yeah. you especially and like there is a great appreciation for you know entertainment targeted at kids that is good for what it is like my definition of a good movie and i think it applies to a good tv show is does it know what it wants to be and does it succeed at being that thing and i think this show maybe didn't quite know what it wanted to be and also wasn't able to execute on it fully and i feel like now you just get the sense there is more effort maybe there is a bit more budget maybe there is a bit more confidence um and i like the, i would rather have that like we always would rather watch good stuff than bad stuff fast yeah. and the furious aside but I mean, that's good in our eyes. But that's you, the difference. Yes. But you and I also are both big supporters of good, bad entertainment. Oh, yes. We were just having a conversation about this last night, that you and I will both sit down and watch Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, before we'll ever watch Dark Knight Rises. Because mm -hmm. they're good, bad movies versus bad, good movies. Exactly. And a bad, good movie is boring, but a good, bad movie is entertaining as mm -hmm. fuck. Well, kind of going back to the show, knowing what it wants to be, obviously this is a kid's show directed towards a young boy audience. Yeah. And you can't have a pacifist. I mean, you can, yeah. but it's, it's very, very hard to keep an audience excited when you have a main character that's doing everything in his power to run away from a fight. Yeah. Um, and so in this show, in, in these episodes, they kind of worked around that, one, by making him evil, but that's beside the point. But two, by making Roe a lot more active. Yeah. She she had a full chase scene where she was running away from the cop. And it was a fully, like, fleshed out, not just her hiding in a corner or in, like, yeah. a trash can. Like, her running away, doing some stunts. And then it's her, you know, doing action scenes in the NSA headquarters. She has to infiltrate. Yeah. 
yeah, she has to be Zeta. Yeah. Uh, and so you kind of cover up Zeta's passivity with Rose uh, assertiveness. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. I've, I've always liked her as a character, just kind of underutilized. Mm-hmm. So like, maybe, maybe this is heading in the right direction. Well, I'm, I'm still going to say pretty, uh, not negative, but cautious. No, I think, I think caution is fair. I've been heard too many times, You're, Chris. You've been burned way too many times. I've been I know. burned. But, uh, no, I, I quite enjoyed these. Like, I'm trying to think of any of the little things I really want to talk about. Um, yeah, I haven't actually looked at any of my notes yet. Um, I did think it was interesting when he goes back into kill mode. The first thing he does is to try and grab his guns, which are obviously yeah. thrown away. I like that little moment. Um, do, 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 do. It felt very similar to... Um, so this is what I thought it was at first. Uh, in the same way of Superman versus the Elites. Okay. I thought it was Zeta faking that he was back to his normal self because he never actually hurt anyone. Oh, kind I of in see. a sense. I see like he, okay. Yeah. So it was him acting evil to play Bennett's role like yeah. to play the role that Bennett thinks he is. Um, cause the only thing he ever hurts are the, are the other robots that to be fair are very poorly built and needed to be disassembled. Yeah. They're fucking terrible. And so I thought when he saw Roe, he was going to do some kind of like cheeky, like one eye would go back to normal, wink, mm-hmm. and then both go back to red. And be like, I am I the ultimate. Yes, I am the ultimate infiltration robot. Fear me, for yeah. I am death incarnate. Okay, so I, I got a question for you. Has any movie or show done the Iron Giant thing as well as Iron Giant, where like the robot is becomes a pacifist? momentarily terms evil and is like brought back to being good again by a human giving a speech by superman by superman like has any because that we both love the iron I giant that, that iron is a, giant. that is a genuinely beautiful movie and mm-hmm. you're a monster if you don't cry at the end um but has anything else done that well because like this touched on it and I, I i don't think it necessarily did it perfectly but it, it played into that trope of teaching a robot humanity like has anyone else done it that well there's got to be an anime that's done it. Yeah, I'm sure an anime has. Did mm-hmm. did um with my uh, my life as a teenage robot? Did she have some sort of like kill mode ever? Not really, because yeah, I, I thought of teenage robot and I thought of Robot Jones, mm-hmm. uh, and neither of them really had like an evil mode. Yeah, I mean there was a mode where where Jenny or XJ9 is taken over by the Hive. Uh, but she's, I think that's different. That that's corrupted programming yeah. turned back to normal. Um, I can't think of any. I mean, Lost in Space did it. Okay. The Lost in Space movie, which I have a weird soft spot for, <laughs> despite being this weird, like, pseudo-Burton-esque nightmare. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I can't think. My mind keeps going back. There was uh, the anime that kind of made anime popular uh, back in the 60s. Um, it was the predecessor to Astro Boy. And you, you've, you've probably seen the character. It's this kind of big, blue, spherical robot. Oh, yeah. He um, looks like halfway between Genie and Astro Boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, so that, that was kind of the first, like, mech anime. Yeah. Um, so this robot is controlled by a remote control that a boy holds. I'm sure in that storyline, there has to be that 
that trope. Uh, but I, I don't know enough about okay. it to, to fully speak on it. Okay. Just, just curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other like major thoughts on, on these? Uh, let me scroll through. Uh, the, the, the crazy fan wrote a song about Roe. Oh yeah. That was, was very, just, just talking about him made me feel gross. It, uh, it's always a little bit uncomfortable when a show makes fun of a character that is very reminiscent of its audience. Mm-hmm. It always just feels like a little bit mean spirited, a little bit awkward and ham fisted. Yeah. Oh, there's a, uh, there's a new agent, agent rush. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, who kind of intentionally, but also not intentionally belittles West through the I whole mean, show. Kind of deserves it. He does. Um, but that was interesting that, that she's here now. Uh, oh, and there, Bennett has a whole team. Now it's not just like the three of them. There were, yeah. there were multiple agents in this episode. That's why I thought it was a, like a good finale. Oh, like because it's Bennett finally has like the resources behind him. Yeah, to make this happen. Yeah, because we also learned in the last episode that he's not the top dog. No. Um, and so I was I I hope that comes into play a little bit, where like someone else in the government has an ulterior motive for Zeta, that kind of gets in the way of Bennett doing his job. Yeah, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, changing into everyone we've seen. Rose stumbles in the robotics lab. Uh, yeah, there's that female Zeta robot that they don't really oh, do anything with. Yeah. Um, I, I did like that Bennett is starting to get wise to their means of escape. So he loses sight of Zeta and Roe, and then he sees a couple of the the new infiltration models come into a room, but they are in their infiltration disguises. Yeah. And rather than potentially just like letting them walk away, he's like, Oh, that might be Zeta and Rose. So he throws like that, um, like force field grenade. And he's like, Oh, okay. I guess it's not them. And that, that's also a, a good cop out weapon when you can't yeah. have, you know, you can't really do explode. I mean, they are government agents. They can't, they shouldn't have, um, What's the word? Uh, damage to, to property. Collateral damage. They, don't, they shouldn't have collateral damage. So now they have this thing. They kind of just, yeah, it's like a, it almost like freezes time. Yeah, it just encases them in like a little mini force field. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that tag. I like that he was starting to get wise mm-hmm. to it and like not being a total idiot. I mean, he still lets them get away in a pretty obvious fashion. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, no, he doesn't see them in the car though. Because, because he. When they when he turns their back, they are disguised as piles of scrap metal. That's true. That's a good disguise. That's actually, pretty good disguise. Because mm-hmm. that's the disguise I wanted them to do in the last episode. Oh, that's right. They yeah. heard me. They did. They heard you across time and space. They did. Uh, but no, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about. All right, cool. Uh, let us dive into notes from friends. Yes. Uh, so you know, we mentioned some stuff from Maddie up at the beginning of the show. His uh, additional info on whether Zeta was in fact a premiere or excuse me yeah season two premiere or finale um and then uh we have a new follower kenny crayley jr who uh started listening recently and was liking a bunch of stuff on instagram and he sent us uh, a tweet saying like uh hey guys i just started listening to the podcast great discussions on the dc animated universe shows 
looking forward to your Justice League and Justice League Unlimited discussions. Thanks. We're also very excited and to, that's, to talk about those. That's what I told them. Like, you and I are, like, dying to get to those because, I mean, that is where we get, like, really some of the consistently best stuff. In Nipping the at the bit, as some people would say. Yes, exactly. Some of the, consistently some of the best stuff there. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. And we're, we're, we're getting to it in due time. Yes. Due time being probably the better part of a year. Yeah. But we still have good conversation for Static. Yeah, there's there's good stuff in Static. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't seen that in a like long time. Like Shaq. Like Shaq. Oh my god, the Shaq episodes. Get ready for I'm some so real fast talking episodes. <laughs> Shane's coming back for those. Shane, our only NBA guy we know. There's so many sports episodes though in, in Static. Because there's there's the five ish five four to six Shaq episodes. Yeah. There's the the two other episodes where it's the other NBA players. Oh right, yeah. Where the where we learn the NBA players use their money to build their own basically Iron Man suits. Love it. Oh my god, I remember that. Yeah, and one yes. of them is Steve Nash, who was my favorite player growing up. And oh, so I'm very excited. Oh, that's, we've talked about this because yeah. Steve Nash is one of the few famous Santa Clara University alumni. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who became famous, who became an athlete only because his brothers were athletes. Oh, really? Yeah, all of, everyone in his family either currently is or is a former professional soccer player. Uh, and he's like, no, nah, man, I don't use my hands. <laughs> With the exact opposite tack on it. Yeah. Hey, it worked out great for him. Hey, it did. Uh, yeah, so then one other thing I want to start doing uh, in Notes from Friends is people have been very kind to write us some reviews on iTunes. And so I want to, uh, you know, for the next few weeks, kind of read out one of them each week uh, just as a thank you. Yeah. Because the reviews do help a lot. I don't know how, but everyone says that on the podcast. Well, with our ego. Mostly with our ego. I, I yeah. guess it has something to do with, like, statistics, too. It's like the more positive reviews it gets, like, the farther up in the algorithm, whatever iTunes puts it. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how it works. But regardless... It is very nice that people have made the effort to go ahead and say some nice things. Uh, and it's just a chance for us to basically talk about ourselves. Yes. Which is my favorite thing to do. We're great at it now. Um, yes, we, we are. God, we're so... We're so good so at this. So good at this. Uh, so here we go. So a, a lovely five-star review from uh, Pugent on iTunes. This is like 2017. This is, shows you how long it's been. Great. So I've I at hope this you're shit. still listening, Pugent. I really hope you're still listening. I hope you still enjoy it. Uh, but they said, I love this podcast. Uh, Batman the Animated Series is one of my favorite series, and it's such a blast to listen in on these chats. Everyone is so knowledgeable and funny. Love it. Thanks. Thanks so much. We don't think we're knowledgeable. Or funny. But I'm glad that we can fake it. <laughs> hey, fake it till you make it. That's right. It's the LA motto. Yeah, and we've almost made it. We've almost, <laughs> we've almost made it. Uh, but yeah, so I'll just like do one of those a week. But uh, no, thank you to uh, to Pugent uh, very, very much. We, we appreciate it. And thank you to Kenny for also starting to listen and write again. Yes, thank you. Um, so from there, though, let us get into our favorite. I don't know if it's favorite segment. I always love some bat plugs here. What do you, what do you plug in this week? Um, I think I might have plugged this when I first started listening to this book, but I finally finished it. So I'm going to plug it again because I was hesitant when I started it. But I started this book called The Wizard of Earthsea. Yes. Uh, a very famous um, fantasy series from the 60s-ish by the, the writer Ursula K. Le Guin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I finally finished it. It really picks up halfway through. I loved it. Uh, and particularly because I've never seen people write magic this way. I, I, I think we've talked about this once before on the podcast. Do you, do you remember anything about hard magic versus soft magic systems? I remember we had a conversation, but I don't remember the details. Okay. So so basically... Uh, so- and also, can we refer to it as flaccid magic and turgid magic? No. Damn it. Okay. Uh, so soft magic is is Lord of the Rings style. What about tumescent magic? No. 
Okay. Because I'm going to forget. Okay. Uh, soft magic is... Rigid? Is, well, you knew, I can do rigid magic. Okay. Sure. I have a lot of euphemisms in my repertoire for erections. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, sorry anyways you're <laughs> so so soft magic is lord of the rings where no one really knows what it does how it works it's just part of the world it just okay is. it just exists yes and there's some people that can use it some people can use it more than others mm-hmm. etc uh it just kind of floats and okay. then hard magic is where there's kind of rules to basically alchemy okay is is hard magic Everything uh, has, you know, alchemy has the rule of equal equivalent exchange. Yeah. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender has a great hard magic system. Uh, how would you classify Harry Potter? That's kind of right in the middle. Okay. Where it takes a little practice, which is hard magic, but still can kind of do anything. Okay. Soft magic. Okay. So it's like a, like a semi-soft magic? Yeah. Okay. Like a presentation magic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shower magic? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so speaking on that, on this book, it was really interesting because it starts off being a soft magic system Mm -hmm. where a wizard, basically once they've trained, the world is at their fingertips. They can do anything and everything with just kind of knowing a word or even just, just willing it, it happens. Mm -hmm. But as the book goes on, you kind of see the consequences of all of these magnificent things and so it, it kind of transitions from this soft magic series to this hard magic. Like you have to be very careful with what you do because these, you know, when he first becomes a wizard, everyone's like, oh, can you do this? Can you do this? Like, I want to see this happen. And he yeah. wants to do it, but he doesn't know how yet. And so once he's finally mastered it, at the end of the book, all of those things that people wanted to see at the beginning, he finally does. Mm-hmm. And you see the consequences of, you know, like using that kind of power hurts both him and everything around him oh interesting okay. uh, and it was it was i'd never seen anything like that and it was yeah. super fascinating oh cool mm-hmm. is it is it part of a, an ongoing series is it a one-off uh no it, it's a full series but the wizard of it's the earth sea series okay and so wizard of earth sea is the first book how many books are there uh four, four? six okay. ish yeah I'll, I'll listen to the next one okay soon we're checking out mm-hmm. all right well, i think so yeah I'll, I'll give it a gander uh yeah, and it, it's just a cool the the world building is is a little tough because it's it's very fantasy esque. It's him jumping from place to place to place to place and just saying a word. Okay, and it's like oh, we're at Tandoroth. <laughs> oh, we're off Tandoroth. Okay. I'll try and remember that for later. I mean, I've heard Tandoroth is lovely this time of year. It really is. So, yeah, it's like between summer and winter. Mm-hmm. So it's just like well, a, so it's got it, a crispness to the air. So so the world is based on an archipelago. So okay. everything is always like, everything's just like a beach city. Oh, my gosh, just the word archipelago. I love that word it's so much. such a fun word to say. Yeah. Like focaccia. What? Like the bread. Like focaccia bread. If you go to like an Italian restaurant, it's, oh, it's like, I didn't know it's that like that word. very like square topped. It almost looks like a, like you baked it in a pan rather than like in a loaf. Oh, okay. And uh, it's got like all kinds of like herbs and rosemary and stuff. Gotcha, in it. gotcha, gotcha. But it's just, it's one of those words like sounds dirty, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. Well, archipelago just sounds like it's a hard word, but it feels so floaty at it the does. same time. It mm, It's just, it has a, it's just a great, there, there must be like a German word out there for the pleasure derived from the sound of a word coming out of your mouth. Yeah. If someone knows it, please send it to us. <laughs> someone knows it. Someone out there does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll just plug Wizard of Earthsea. And okay. if you guys are interested in magic systems, 
uh, Google hard magic and soft magic because it's super fascinating. Yeah, maybe do that in like private mode, just be on the safe side. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just maybe. and don't add wand to it. Oh, you know I'm going to a hard magic wand. You know I am going for it. Specifically, don't Google Harry's hard magic wand. Oh, I'm going straight for it. <laughs> Bring on that slash fic. I'm ready for it. Uh, what have you been watching, listening, reading? Uh, I, I have been kind of busy of late, so I don't really have much new. So I, these are kind of weird plugs, but I guess technically these are my plugs. But uh, you and I went to go see Jurassic Park last night. Yes, we did. At the Hollywood Bowl with a live orchestra accompaniment. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. For, for those who have not been to L.A. or do not live in L.A., over the summer at the Hollywood Bowl, the famous theater, yeah, um, they'll pick a couple movies, and the L.A. Philharmonic Orchestra will come yes. and play alongside the movie, and it's yeah. always amazing. It's it's really fantastic. I took my folks about a year ago to see uh, A New Hope, which mm-hmm. was amazing. This was amazing. I mean, obviously, the Jurassic Park score is every year they do beautiful. a Harry Potter movie. It's true. They so do. they're up to six. I think is next year. I think so. Yeah. Um, I'm still mad that I missed out on going to see Star Trek 09 because that mm-hmm. is my favorite score of all time. They do a Disney film every year. Yeah. This year was Beauty and the Beast. No, uh, this year was a Little Mermaid. The, this year they did Beauty and the Beast. When they do those, though, that's they, not Philharmonic. It's not the. Uh, it's not the Philharmonic. I think it's a rented out situation there. Okay. But also, what happens there is that when they get to the musical numbers, they have a live cast come out and perform it, and they're very fun. They're really fun, yeah. So I went to Beauty and the Beast, and so it was Zoe Deschanel was Belle, um, Tay Diggs was Gaston, mm-hmm. um, Rebel Wilson was LaFou. That's right. It was good. Oh, yeah, because I had tickets to that, but I couldn't go. I was out of oh, town. That's right. Yeah, it was a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, again, if you're ever if you ever come to visit LA, I it's weird because I always say that LA is actually not a great city to visit. I agree. Great city to live in. If you come out here, I would suggest try and time it around going to see something at the Bowl because it's a fantastic venue. It's mm-hmm. it's huge, but they put on good shows. But uh, we went and saw that last night. And how long have been since you've seen Jurassic Park? It's been a long time for oh, me. Oh, years. Yeah, been a long time. One of those movies that you know you remember like the last like third of really well because you just like found it on tv and keep watching it but mm-hmm. it's been a long time since the beginning. Well, you remember all the you remember all the key moments exactly you remember the, yeah. the water you remember you know uh the the spitting acid exactly yeah um but it was so fun to watch it again and so fun to have the the live orchestra and then um i was looking for a new book to read something in the fiction space because i like to have my my fiction to turn my brain off in the evenings before i go to bed and i'm like you know what? i've never read jurassic park so i'm just now starting to read jurassic park brian Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton. Yeah. Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. I mean, he's had a very storied career, Brian Cranston. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, But, you know, because I've had this situation in the past before where I would go back and read the the book and really enjoy it. So, like, uh, The Born Identity, the book is drastically different than the movie, but it's Mm -hmm. really, really good. Um, The Godfather, obviously, an amazing film. Have you read Fight Club? Uh, I actually have read Fight Club. I read it in college. I heard that was, like, a very different... Yeah. I... The weird... uh, I think... Had I, mm, I had seen Fight Club at that point, but I didn't see Fight Club until years after it came out. Same. Um, I would be curious to go back and read that again, actually, I think. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think sometimes these movies that are classic films that are based on really good books, go back and read the books, and unsurprisingly, they're really fucking good. Yeah. Um, so just started that. That's really good. And then my, my last plug, it's not even really a plug, but it's partly an explanation. So part of the reason that Shane and I in particular last week oh, were yes. so energized when we did the Fast and the Furious podcast, I assure you, it was not because it was Fast and the Furious. It's because we had just come from a James Bond fantasy film draft. Yes. So I have said time and again that my favorite podcast is the James Bonding podcast with Messieurs Matt Gorley and Matt Myra. They did a 
bond draft, which we basically recreated. So the way it works is that like you would do with a fantasy football draft where you go in and you have to pick a roster from amongst the league of a quarterback, a linebacker, a kicker, tight end, um, wide more. receiver. Two more. Uh, fallback? Sure. Is that, is that <laughs> I one? Don't I don't know. Give me credit for knowing that many that's, of That's them. a good that's, number. That's a surprising number. Just Isn't that like a tailback? Is that one? I think there might be a tailback. No, no. The guy who catches it? The catch. Uh, that's the wide receiver. Right? Okay. Right? No, uh, off of... <laughs> I don't want to do this bit. <laughs> All right. We, we won't go down the bit of Cameron and I don't know sports because I think we actually know more than we let on. We also but, only, this, don't, this we only know so bit. much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we have reached the legitimate limit of my football knowledge. But in the same way you would the do cheer, that. Do you draft the cheerleaders? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay, and the I, coach. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you, draft, you draft the primary mascot. Yes. And sponsor as well. I'd be good at that draft. You would always pick Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you build a Bond film for of all of the, the primary elements from amongst the film. So you have to cast one of the six actors who's played Bond. Uh, you have to cast a villain, a henchman, a Bond girl, a secondary Bond girl, the car. a car. You have to cast which M actor you want, which Q actor you want, uh, the gadget, all these sort of things. And you build a film and then you pitch what your film would be to the group and then you pick a winner. And... I've been wanting to do this for a while. Uh, our friend Mike Solari, who we met through Nerdist years ago, uh, he and I kind of planned it together. He did the bulk of the work. He did an amazing job putting together this fantastic list of all the different elements. And we all got together. Shane was a part of it, being a huge James Bond fan as well. And we drafted these movies. And I, I had the most... This you, were, is, you were glowing This was one of the you. most fun things I've ever done in my entire life. Legitimately one of the most fun things because, I mean, it's your group of... I was in a room of people who would get my most obscure Bond references and, like, everyone was doing that. Everyone was making those references. And it's like, you know you're amongst really diehard Bond fans when, like, a Valentin Zukovsky pick upsets other people because they wanted him. Mm-hmm. It was... The most fun thing ever. Had a fucking blast doing it. I when I talk about it, I like the energy comes back yes. to me. We're going to do this again. If I can make it work, I would love to actually record it and put it out as a, like a random bonus thing for Tim Talk as a podcast. Um, if you're a James Bond fan, I highly recommend trying to get your group of people together to do this. We're trying to figure out a way to do it as well. Um, maybe as a Batman one mm-hmm. that we're trying to figure out the logistics on. We can do it. I think we can. I think you can. It's it's it's. You have to pick a franchise that has a lot to draw from, and we've had so many different actors to play Batman. I think it could be done. So mm-hmm. we're, we're going to try to make that happen at some point down the line. Uh, but yeah, if if you're not sure what I'm talking about, go listen to the James Bonding fantasy film drafts because they are fucking spectacular, and go yes. do one yourself. So that is my very random plug for the week. And I think with that. We're done. We're going to call it? I think we're going to call it. Yeah. It's been a good episode. We did it. It's been a fun time. 128. I know. Cross it off the list. Exactly. Mm, so much beard talk. Yes. Where can they, where, where they, get, where can they find us, Chris? Uh, they can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, and the podcast is available on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Wow. You got them all. I know. I had to get all of it in there. Uh, Cameron, where can they find your social media? Uh, if you want to see my face and my future D23 activities. It's true. Coming up next weekend. Uh, you can find that at camdexter underscore adventures. And if you want to see my art and that art archived page that it is you can find that at cameron.dexter Beautiful. where they find you you can find me Come at lordifer 
on Instagram and Twitter. Why are you like a third string Kermit the Frog? I don't know. I hate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please don't let that deter you from ever coming back. Bye. We wouldn't be upset if you never came back after that. Bye, guys. Bye.